house of God. We're going to put jealousy beside for about a half an hour. How's everybody doing good? Happy to be at church, yeah? Yeah? All right. All right. Well, my name is Daryl Temple. I see a lot of new faces, and so thank you, Michelle. It's my number one fan out here in the first row. She always shouts me down, of which I like. We're kind of like a holler back at your boy kind of church, so you can shout me down, clap me up, even if I don't do a good job. It all goes a long way when we're preaching the word of God. Um, whoa, that's some big lights up there. Um, we ended our series uh, last Sunday. If you were here, John Cho brought the word. Thank you, John, wherever you are. I know you're here somewhere. I start you at the door. Our series, we uh, ended on inward discipline, and we're going to continue something uh, today. Not a series, but just some messages that are inside, I think, me and Bethany's heart. Um, so we're going to just come like straight from what we've been processing for the last month or so in God's Word. And I'm going to title the name of this sermon today, Fire, uh, Faith Under Fire, excuse me, Faith Under Fire. Now, I know that sounds like a Channel 9 like sitcom, like something that you would, you would watch on PBS or something. It's not. It's um, a real title, and I think it suits today's sermon well. Um, if you would, turn to James chapter 1. Again, we're coming around God's word. This is kind of the best time of service. I mean, this word is all about God, isn't it? It's um, full of his attributes. And how many know that God's word is everlasting? It, it can't change. It goes on forever. No matter what trends are out there, what cultural trends we experience where people try to do away with the word of God, how many know that this word is everlasting? It will stand and it cannot be changed. All right, a couple of you. How many know that God's word stands forever? It's everlasting. It cannot be changed. Okay. All right. James chapter 1, we're just going to read four verses, and I'm going to try to not to um, plow over the translators, which is always tricky for me. I think I talk clearer faster, but I mean, that could be debated. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but it certainly feels that way. James chapter 1, verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. Let's read that again. Let steadfastness have its full effect. Other translations uses the word endurance. But here in the ESV, we, uh, he uses the word uh, steadfastness. Have its full effect that you may be perfect incomplete, lacking nothing. Now that is a mouthful right there, that the end of verse 4, like what a statement James makes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that I can only take this so far. I can only persuade and convince your people of truth. Lord, so much. I am limited, God. But I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that even as we worship together, we felt the nearness, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And now we're asking God as we preach the word that that power would continue, that you would come and bring revelation and understanding of who Jesus is to our hearts. Lord, where I'm limited, God, we ask, Lord, that you would meet me, my lips, my mouth with your power. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. It's funny, as I was preparing this message, um, you may have noticed Bethany's not here this morning, and, and I'm going to try not to cry, but, um, you know, our family got some very sad news this week, and uh, 
ultimately, um, we got the sad news uh, uh, after I had prepared this sermon. I think if I would have known that the bad news was on, um, you know, going to be coming, I probably would have held off and maybe come up with a different word for us today. So you may see me be a little bit emotional um, because I'm trying to process something new, and I can't uh, kind of just divulge all the information there. I think that's enough, but just know this, that I am living James chapter 1 today, this week. So, um, I, I, so I only say that to try to encourage maybe others who find themselves in trying times and being tested. And, and so uh, I just want to place that there, that I may get a little bit more emotional than, than I usually do, so forgive me, okay? Um, or in the month of July, Bethany and I had a had the privilege, excuse me, of attending a gathering called Friends in Cities. And um, this was hosted by Jesus Culture. Uh, the lead pastor, Benning Leapshire, had invited us to be part. And essentially, it's just a gathering of about 65 to 70 pastors from all over the world. Um, there were people from Dubai, pastors from China. I mean, it was just everywhere, the states and such. And we just got together and kind of shared war stories, you know, like the do's and the don'ts of pastoring, and, you know, just encouraging one another. And I was kind of sworn to secret just because of the caliber of leaders that were at this meeting. Um, I wanted to post things. Like, I was standing with, like, very cool people. I'm like, I can't believe I'm with this guy, and I wanted to, like, put it on Instagram. But they, like, forbidden me to because they didn't want to make other pastors jealous. And so uh, had I seen the post, I would have been jealous because I am good friends with Banning. Uh, and so I would be like, why didn't you invite me, man? Um, but so I got it. But anyways, um, it was a four-day kind of retreat. We were in New York City, beautiful time. We are in a penthouse. It was just, it was just great. Um, and on Saturday morning, we decided to break up the groups. Guys went with guys. Gals went with gals. And we had a little dude time. So about 60 of us dudes. Yeah, that yeah, dude time is important. Uh, by the way, just a little plug for more than a beard. I think this Tuesday we'll be duding out at the gym. So if you want to come, you can find more information at the info center. Um, but we were broken up into teams, uh, and the males went with the males, the females went with the females. And we started talking, and the conversation was about pride. We, there were some pastors, some well-known pastors who had fallen. Um, they had kind of given up uh, enduring and running their race through various reasons. And the kind of all revolved around just pride. And so that was like the nature of the conversation. But then interestingly enough, and it is interesting because we're in a, you know, I'm sitting with about 60 to 70 other charismatic pastors. And, you know, your mind not, might not go there immediately, but it's very rare that charismatic people talk about suffering. I know some of you got that. But it, but it is rare. You can just trust me on that. Um, if you're like, what is he talking about? Just trust me. It's rare that cares. We, we, we often go for like the big kind of breakthrough, miracle, provision, God, Jehovah Jireh, you know, he will meet your needs. And I love that. I love that about God because it is true. God is a miracle worker. He, he works miracles all the time. But yet in this context, I was a bit taken and I was even taken by the source of the person, the, the, the pastor who said it was a well-known, if I said his name, you would be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe he said that. He's kind of like the leading pastor of like miracles, signs and wonders. He's like the troubadour. He's, he's like all for it. And, and, and he said this in that meeting. He said, you know, the charismatic church has done a poor job in explaining suffering theologically. And I was taken. Of course, this so resonated with me. 
you know, because I'm like, I, I feel conflicted. I'm, I, I'm a charismatic kind of reformed person who like loves the Bible, but loves the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, how do these, you know, there's this big word that exists in Scripture and, it, and, it, and it, it's an attribute of God, and it's this word, sovereignty. And, and, and you may not know what that word means, but I encourage you to look into it, study it. But, but essentially, what, I'm, what I want to get to this morning is that God, well, he is sovereign. And, and let me just give you the uneducated, you know, Daryl Temple, you know, barely past high school. You're not supposed to laugh at that. That's actually... I'm just kidding. Um, But anyways, let me just give you my definition of what I believe sovereignty is. And that is God does what he wants, when he wants to, to whom he wants to, any time he wants to. And, And the charismatic church has a problem with that. And our best kind of definition and the reason why is because Daniel, you know, this, this guy who called upon God and God answered his prayers, and, and, and very much so. I mean, I'm not in any way saying that God doesn't answer our prayers, but God is sovereign. That means God does what he wants, when he wants to, to whom he wants, whenever he wants. We don't pull his arm. We don't convince him. We don't stop asking, but yet at the end of the day, he is sovereign. He does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants to whom he wants to. And so I was taken by this remark. I was floored, especially because of the person who said it. But then ultimately, I, I quickly connect that something is taking place that's good in the charismatic church. Now, James regarded trials as inevitable. That's what we see here. The brother of Jesus says, hey, listen, you can count on it. You can expect Trials are going to come. Most Christians, I don't think we have a grid for that. I believe that over the course of the next years, we will, as emerging leaders come forth, charismatics who love the Word of God, look at the Word of God and say, listen, there's something missing. God is not a slot machine that we just put money in and get what we want when we want it. He's sovereign. He does what he wants, when he wants, to whom he wants to, when he wants to do it. But yet James says to count, to expect trials, that they're going to come. It's not a matter of if. The key word in the text is when. James doesn't say, if you meet trials of various kinds. James says, when you meet trials of various kinds. So that equates to my heart that they're going to come. It's not a matter of if. It's, I don't need to be surprised and taken off guard when they come. I am expecting. I'm not looking for them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not out there trying to, hey, uh, afflict me, Lord. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm just looking for a good trial today. Like, what can you cuck up today, God? But yet, they're going to come. I, I really contribute this to just a part of the fallen world that we live in. Like, we live in a fallen world, don't we? And if God was just to do everything that we wanted him to do, it would be like, what would be the, what would, what would be the point of heaven? What would be a point of a place where we will one day go where he takes away our sadness, our sickness, our grief? There'd be no point. We'd, we'd find it very fitting to just be comfortable with this world. But yet God 
gives us tests and trials so that we don't get comfortable, excuse me. Right? That's what James says. Count it joy. <laughs> well, that's great, James. Thank you. I mean, you know, we're, we're to consider it a gift. A gift when trials, we're to count it all joy when we're meted with, by various trials. Oh, man, this is so unnatural, isn't it? It is so unnatural. The last thing that I do when I feel like my back is up against the wall and I'm being pressed in by trials and troubles, I am not. I am far from joyful. It, it, do I have anybody who can resonate with that? Like, yep, yeah, yeah, I'm miserable. A couple honest people in this place. But yet, James tells us, he encourages us, he tells us, it's not, it, he doesn't encourage us, excuse me, he commands us to be joyful when we are met with various trials. But, but, but nobody gets happy about trials and problems and hardships, do they? And, and rightfully so. So what is the difference between a Christian who is experiencing trials and tribulation and hardships and those who are not Christians? Well, the difference is this. Is that our trials produce something in us. Hear me. Your hardships, your troubles, your trials, those things that you feel are in your way are producing something in you. Too many Christians are focused on what's happening to them rather than what's happening in them. And James is here to shed light. He's not just telling us to be gullible and put a fake smile on our face when we're going through things. And life isn't, you know, all that it should be. He's trying to point to something greater than just a fleeting trouble or a trial, or a testing. And right away we see this. We should, why we should count it all joy when we meet various kinds of troubles? And that's because it produces steadfastness and endurance in us. Steadfast and endurance. That means even our trials don't go wasted. Hear me again, hear me again. Even things that we face, the hardships, the struggles that we face, they don't, they don't, they don't just happen. They, they, there's something that's taking place in the midst. Endurance is being produced. Steadfastness is being produced within us. I don't know about you, but for me, yeah, I can look at trials a little bit differently in that kind of light. I, 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 can, I, can, I, can, I can get joy. I can, I can consider it a gift when I'm being tested. Why? Because there's something greater than that test, that trial, that hardship that's being done inside of me. Listen, there are so many Christians today, probably even here, that are running out of steam. You're petering out. You're unable to finish that uh, race of faith that Christ has set before you. You feel burnt out. You feel exhausted, fatigued. You, you, you somewhat wrestle with even having any kind of interest at all in faith in Christ and in religion. I had a friend not too long ago, we just, we, excuse me, we just actually reconnected on Facebook. I know I'm still like in the Facebook world. I should come over to Instagram, I think, but I'm, I'm just struggling. Pray for me. Um, but a good friend of mine 
um, whom I grow, grew up with in high school, who was at the time perceived as um, quite a zealous, passionate person, um, had reached out to me and was like, Daryl, you're a pastor. I'm like, I know. He's like, this is unbelievable. I know. He's like, you of all people, I know. Like, I, like this, you're crazy. I, I get it. It's crazy. But growing up, he was, he was the one that you would have thought would be the pastor. He was the one who, literally, I think I said inside my head or my heart, I was like, that's going to be the next Billy Graham. And that may be a bit dramatic, but I was like 19, so that's the way it felt. Okay, get off me. Um, and I was like, surely God's going to do something great with this man. And sadly, as I was kind of trolling his profile, I think that's what you call it, I was like, you know, like, what's going on, man? Uh, I noticed that he had already been through two marriages. He was about uh, ready to end his third. He had one child from the first, two children from the second, and was about ready to have another child from his third, of whom he was about ready to divorce. And, you know, he was asking me about my faith, so I asked him about his. I'm like, what's going on, man, in your world? And he just opened up. He's like, Daryl, i got to be honest. I'm like, I'm not doing good. The same Adam that you knew in high school is not the same Adam I am today. And there's reasons. My first wife cheated on me, and I just, I lost it. And, you know, my second marriage failed. I just, I lost it. I couldn't, I didn't understand what's going on. It just seemed like my life was unraveling. And I just gave up. Just gave up. I was tired. I didn't, I didn't know really how to cope. You know, Adam, my friend, what he needs most is endurance. Now, that might be trite for me to say. I've never been through divorce. Hopefully never will. But I think if Adam had understood the context of what the Lord was trying to do in him, maybe divorce wouldn't rattle his faith in Christ. I know that seems pretty on the edge to say, but I happen to believe that no matter what trial, no matter what storm you're facing today, divorce, sickness, disease, financial hardships, whatever it is, I happen to believe that Jesus can not only just take care of your problems, of which he can, he's more than powerful, more than able to do such. But Jesus, if he doesn't take care of your problems, can give you joy. Everlasting, unshakable joy in the midst of your hardships, trials, and tribulations. We need to endure. I don't know if you've been reading your Bible, but as we move closer to the last days, it gets ugly, friend. That it's so ugly that even us, even God's elect, if not careful, will fall, will give up, will quit enduring the struggles that we face. Friends, in order for endurance to flourish and mature, faith needs to be tested. Let me say that again. In order for endurance to flourish, if you want to endure, if you want to hear at the end of your life, well done, good and faithful servant. You need to go through testing. You need to go through trials. We're, we're so apt, especially as a charismatic church, to just forego and think, how can I dodge what's going on in my life? How can I, pre, how can I end this, you know, before I actually learn something and gain something and take something away? We're so apt to trying to make life as comfortable as we can without any speed bumps, without any disturbance, without any discomfort. But just maybe, 
just maybe, some of you aren't going to like this, God's looking to make you uncomfortable. Maybe God is looking to test and try your uh, profession of faith in order that you might endure. Because he knows the fire's not going to be turned down. It's going to be turned up. And as we approach the days of his coming, it's going to be hard. Now, this isn't charismatic talk. I'm not here. I will not pledge allegiance to anybody who tries to distort the Bible. I I will not pledge uh, allegiance to anyone who tries to, for the sake of their nonsensical, I think I'm using that word right, thinking about Scripture and how they want to twist so that they look like a miracle worker. There is only one miracle worker that I know of, and his name is Jesus. You are not the miracle worker. I am not the miracle worker. Christ is the miracle worker. And you should count it a great privilege if God uses your hands to heal somebody. Not somebody, but a body, sorry. So faith, it needs to be tested. That way endurance can flourish. I mean, sign me up. Sign me up. There's something about being tested, isn't there, and tried that either brings out the fight in us or the flight in us, doesn't it? Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't agree, so I'm not, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, the, the proof is out there. It materializes every day in the context of this community. There are two types of people. You cannot get around it. I'm sorry. You're either looking at your trials and you're being tested head on in faith, Are you retreating and you are flighting and you are trying to avoid? I would rather channel my inner Jackie Chan and go to war with those things rather than busy myself with distractions, avoiding the problem. Because you know trials... When we go through testing, when we go through hardship, they're best um, received with faith than they are unbelief. And I'm not just talking about the kind of faith where it's like, oh, Lord, you're going to work this out? You're going to pay this bill? You're going to heal this body? I've seen good men and good women die of cancer who held the line and said, God's going to heal my body. And I love that faith. But you know what? God didn't end up healing. And their resolve was so precious. Their, their, yeah, their resolve was flooring. When it's like God is able to heal my body, but if he doesn't, nevertheless, he is good. Nevertheless, my joy is intact. The enemy cannot steal my peace. Trials are best received, again, with faith. Trials can make believers salty. (laughs) It's true. Um, Let me just define. That's not, you know, the salt of the earth kind of thing. We're not talking about a good salty. Okay? We're not. not. Um, Just so I'll I'll try to uh, define that for you. Me and my son, um, this is how I'm going to do it, so get ready. Um, any Xbox fans here? Okay, raise your hand. No Xbox fan? Okay, we got a couple of honest people. Awesome. Um, 
we're not heavy into the Xbox, but man, from time to time, we will throw down on some Madden 2016, and we will throw down on some NBA uh, 2K 2018, I think it is. And, you know, I've already, right up front, I've told you I'm competitive. My son is competitive. I mean, we're just, I, meaning, he's 10. I'm not going to take it easy on him just because, you know, I'm 40. Like, it's not going to happen. It's like, oh, like, you're just so cute. I'm just going to let you win. No, I'm going to walk all over you. But um, in the game, in the game, in the game. Um, only when it comes to Xbox. But unfortunately, I can't. I can't walk all over him. So it's, it's a true story. Like, he wins every time, all the time. But I, I, I got smart, and I started to Google some things. I'm like, you know, how do you play Madden 2016? Because I find there's, like, different controls. There's a way that you can hold A where the ball can just lightly be passed. And it's like a, like almost like a, I don't know how, it's got an arch to it. And it's, it's not, it's, it's hard to intercept. And then there's another, if you press B and you just hit it real hard, it like shotguns it and goes really fast. That way it can't be intercepted. So I'm Googling all these things. I'm like, okay, I'm a bit more prepared for this next game. I'm going to whip his behind. Not, not, I mean, I'm just in the game. Not, I'm not going to beat him. Uh, <laughs> and so we get, we get to playing. It was Monday. We get to playing, and that's our day off. So we're like, yeah, let's go. I think I'm like, um, I have like, you know, I, I was on Google. I didn't tell him that, but I was like, you're going to die. And so we started playing, and sure enough, I, I started like really dominating him. And he was, he is, listen, he is not a good loser. Like, he does not like losing. And so we have the saying, like, when somebody's losing, we're like, bro, you're getting salty? And it just essentially means that you're getting bitter. This sour little attitude complaining about everything. You know, the kind of guy that makes excuses all the time for their poor playing, their poor performance. That's my son. <sighs> he wouldn't mind me saying that. He agrees. Um, but this is how Christians can get. They can get salty when they've lost their joy. When, when they've lost, when, 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 when the focus becomes what's happening to them rather than what's happening in them. It, it, it's, it, I'm, I'm the chief of all salty Christians, probably here. I get totally salty. It ruins my day, my life, my month, my, possibly my year. Maybe that's a little exaggerated, but it's good for what we're doing today. So, um, <laughs> but true, it, it, we can become bitter people. Can't we? And, and there's nothing more so, I think, that embitters us when we're not handling the hardships and the turbulence in life correctly as Christians, as James prescribes here in James chapter 1. So don't be a salty Christian. Nobody likes to hang around salty Christians. That's what I found. Trials are meant to test faith and perfect endurance. Now, trials are not meant to produce jaded, burnt-out Christians who just like to complain all the time. Now, let's be clear about something here. Uh, trials don't produce faith. The Word of God produces faith. And, and see, that, and that, that's in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Let's turn there. Quick little verse. Paul says this, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so, right here, we can see how the Word of God strengthens or bolsters or builds up our faith. Because in James, we hear that trials, well, they're unto something, aren't they? They're, they're unto the uh, 
the perfection of our endurance. I mean, who doesn't want to feel somewhat more together, right? Like, I can endure this. I can endure this storm. I can endure this hardship, right? I mean, so we understand that in God's word, we're encouraged that, hey, listen, this is not something that's just like an out-of-body experience. Like, this is something that I'm doing in you. And so if we can build upon the word of God, if we can understand as James kind of encourages us and helps us to understand, then, then we can, I think, we can handle these various kinds of trials with a different spirit, a different attitude. Maybe like, maybe, 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 maybe like Christians, maybe. Which, which, might I add, makes us a very unique people in the earth. Now think about it. Like, like, have you ever seen a salty unbeliever? Like, it's, it's bad. It's bad. But yet we can, we can be uniquely different as believers to the point of where people are like, what's wrong with that guy? God, I know what he's going through. And again, in my rational thinking, this sermon makes no sense to me at all. Because again, I, I started off by telling you I am in a trying season. I am being tested. I believe I'm being tested by the Lord. And, and I am trying to make all, a, a bunch of sense of all this and processing all this. But I believe there's something greater going on than what's just being done to me currently and what I'm experiencing. I really do feel as though God is doing something rich inside of me. What do you feel when you go through a hard time? Trials don't produce faith. God's word produces faith. And it's upon God's word we should build and stand and even face our trials with. Again, occasionally, I'm sorry, apparently, my bad, trials provide opportunities and occasions for joy. This, this is what makes God so different, isn't it? I mean, you get into his word and you're like, you say something like that and it seems so ridiculous to say something like that in 2019. Trials, trouble, hardship provides opportunities and occasions for joy? Are you kidding? That's, that's crazy, but yet it's Christianity. And let me just say that it's Christianity. It's not crazy. Charles Spurgeon said this regarding the text. He said, counting it all joy is faith's response to time, to a time, excuse me, of trial. Again, this is what makes Christianity so different. How's an unbeliever? How, how's, a, how's an unbeliever supposed to find hope and reason when they're faced with trials and troubles? They can't. But but we can. We can. Thus, it gives us a a huge leverage, a huge tool to use as we're evangelizing to people. One of the best things about when my mom, not that there's anything good about getting cancer, but one of the remarkable things when I was taking my mom in for chemo and taking, to her, taking her to some of her appointments was the light she was in the midst of the hospital with people who had the same condition, who weren't. And you know the doctors would always say, man, you just, you're glowing there's something different about you. And you could see it from one person to another. It's like, 
wow, my mom is just handling this like a boss. And, and, and it was starting to affect uh, other people who were in the same room with her, doctors who were they're like, what, what? It's Jesus. What a testimony, friends. What, what an opportunity to evangelize. I'm wrapping up. I know I'm probably boring you some, but I have no more good stories to tell. So my point is this, not even trials are wasted for the Christian. Again, if I can encourage you that when you're going through something hard, don't look at what you're going through in a way that you're obsessing over it, in a way that it gets all the air time and all the focus in your life. Try to think differently about what God might be doing inside of you. And then I think if you can do that, joy will well up in your heart and you'll be able to, you'll be able to glow. You'll be able to shine in the midst of trying times and being tested. Not only will you glow, not only will you shine, not only will you be resilient, but God will use you to touch other people's lives as they witness and say, what is different about you? You know, there's a man in the Bible, and there's a book. It's not Job, it's Job. Thank you, Kanye West. <laughs> Just in case there anybody had any, any questions about that. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. Buy the album, Jesus is King, and you'll find out. Hey, good album. A good album. Still listening to it hard. I don't care what you say about Kanye. I'm a fan. You don't be scared. If you're a fan, clap loud and proud. Yeah. I know he's done some crazy things, but you have too. It just hasn't been on camera. We're so, we're so good at throwing stones, right? Man, you see what he did on BET? Hanging out with Trump in the White House? Give me a break, friend. Give me a break. Don't be shallow. Job's faith was tested. I'm sure you're familiar with the story, and I'm closing out. His, in Job chapter 2, his faith is failing. I'm sorry, his health, not his faith. Excuse me, that would be totally heretical. Um, his health is failing, and there his wife calls him to um, cash in his integrity card and curse God. Let's read Job chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. And this is where I just wanted to kind of let you think about, let you pro process, because um, this is something that really made me come to grips with some of my charismatic theology. Here's Job in Verses 9 and 10, he says, Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Now, this, this is Job. He's going through something. His health is failing. And she's saying, Hey, listen, like, where's God? Like, what are you doing? She goes on into the conversation, says, Curse God and die. <laughs> she means salty unbeliever. <laughs> I like that. I just, it just came into my head. Um, <laughs> it's free. Uh, and then he goes on, Job says, uh, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women 
uh, I'm sorry, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? Other translations uses the word bad. And all this Job did not sin with his lips. You know, again, you know, this, this is somewhat complicated waters to charter, I think, you know, in a, in a community like this. Um, again, what, what I don't want you to uh, hear me saying is that I've kind of given up in believing that God works miracles, that he performs signs. I'm not giving up on that. I have absolute faith and assurance that God still is in the business. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But you know what? If your theology is that big, the moment trials come, your faith will fail. Because you won't be able to understand, you won't be able to mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually grapple with the fact that maybe God did let you down. You know, when you sing that song, I, I, I would encourage you to look into the meaning behind that song. I remember when I first heard that bridge, I think it is, or the chorus, you're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. I'm like, I don't know if I can sing that. I'm just being honest, guys. Is that too much for you because you've been watching too much Todd White? I'm sorry. No, but seriously, guys. Like, like I, 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 I've had to sing that song and mustard. I have nothing against Todd White, by the way. I don't want to get any emails. Love the man, prayed for my son. I mean, we are good. I'm good friends with him, actually. You'd be surprised. But, but, but here's what I'm saying, and I want to track back. I just want to put that disclosure there. What was I saying? <laughs> I should... Yeah, singing that, that song, when I first heard it, I was like, I, I can't. Sing that. I can, but I can't feel it. It doesn't resonate here. Because there are times in my life that I have felt down, let down by God. And it wasn't until I understood that I wasn't being let down at all. I was actually being lifted up. I was actually becoming more like a believer because I realized something was happening in me that was priceless. And that's why today I can stand here, preach this message in the, the midst of one of the most hardest things that I've ever been through in my 40 years. And I hope that same thing for you. I hope that no matter what comes your way, your understanding of God is bigger than charismatic cliches. I, I hope that when things don't go for you accordingly in life, that you can hold on to God's word and understand that there's something bigger going on and something that he is trying to produce in you. That he's not doing something to you, but he is doing something in you. And so that's my hopes. And uh, again, I trust the Lord that he'll take from your mind anything offensive I said about anybody, or, but that he'll do a work and that we'll be able to stand on God's word today. Not the words of a man, but the word of God. So let us pray.
Father, I, I know my weaknesses. I know sometimes I can become emotional, God, and lose the point and the plot, Lord, but I ask, God, that today something would stick to your people today, Lord, something transformational, Lord, something that just wouldn't be pushed off and criticized, but something that would be studied, something that would be looked into, Lord, that help us get into the word, not a word of some faith healer, Lord, not the word of some uh, internet star, not the word of some itinerant minister or pastor, but your word, God. Help us, God. We, we need to build our lives upon your word. And so, Jesus, I ask, God, that now, as we move on from this moment, that a great, the great fruit of endurance and steadfastness would be built up in our lives. In Jesus' name. If I could, let's have the worship team come up. And there's a cool little song. I think it's fitting.